Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. She wasn't the type of mother who yelled for her son from the bleachers. That wasn't in her. Her love stayed caught inside her body like a crab trapped in a net. Kristen Arnett with teeth. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And hey, we're almost halfway through the year. Today, I'm joined by friend, bookstagrammer, and frequent co-host Hunter McClendon to chat about our favorite books of the year so far. Hi, Hunter. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. You're my favorite person to talk about like recaps with you know what i mean like we like to compare i love your national book award predictions your pulitzer predictions and i just like kind of touching base with you mid-year to see how our reading lives are going um yes and i would just like everyone to note that i am your favorite person that's all i've heard so far i'm your favorite person (laughs) jordan move over ashley move over anyone in the world move over it's me hunter's coming in um (laughs) I just, I really, this was on the agenda. And when I saw that it was, I actually moved it up a little bit because I was like, I really want to talk to him about this now because my, my reading life this year has felt a little more odd than 2020 even. And I'm not sure if that, if I'm alone in that, Um, but my reading has felt a little bit all over the place. I'm wondering what your reading life has looked like this year. You know, it's so funny you say that because to me, 2020 felt like getting really drunk and then 2021 feels like the hangover. Oh, Hunter, I, as you know, I don't know exactly what you're talking about, (laughs) but I definitely, that comparison rings true to me because I do feel like I read a lot of books in 2020. I read a lot of good books in 2020. Like I had difficulty picking a top title and 2021, I feel a little bit, um, sluggish in my reading. I'm reading some things that I don't really like um, or that I like but don't love. And so it was fun to sit and really think about if I were to right now have to make my top 10, what would it include? And, And what I came up with was surprising to me. Oh, same. I, whenever, whenever we were texting about this, I went to my, th- and I had an idea of what I thought it was going to be. And then as I was reading, I was looking through my books. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not the reading year I thought I had so far. Yeah. yeah. I've had very few five-star books and, and that doesn't mean anything because I've read a lot of books I really like. When I give a book five stars to me, that means like almost perfection to me. Like yeah. it's going to be my top book of the year, whatever. So I rate a lot of books around four stars because if it's a book I don't really like, I'm probably not going to finish it. Um, or it'll be around that two and a half star realm. Like if I really don't like it, if I like it, it's between three and three and a half. If I like it a lot, it's four. And then like, again, five star, I really reserve. Um, but I've not read a ton of five star books. So this is, this is going to be a really interesting exercise. So here's how we're going to do this. We each made a list of our top 10. So as if we were making our top 10 of 2021 right now, this is what would be on it. And we're going to go back and forth in reverse order. So we're going to start with number 10. Why don't you start us off? Okay, so my number 10 pick was My Year Abroad um, by, oh gosh, I cannot remember how to say his name. 
I don't have it in front of me. Shangri Lee? I cannot remember. But that's but okay. it's my it's my year abroad. Um it's this like it's one of those like goldfinch type, very like mm-hmm. long, sprawling books. You started it. I started it. I yeah. really liked it. I was considering it for a shelf subscription, but I didn't finish because I was a little daunted by the size. It is one of those where like it's so funny. I so I also recommend the um audiobook mm-hmm. because I don't know why, but there's something about the guy's voice that I don't even know, can't remember what I compared it to, but it was just uh, just whiny enough to mm-hmm. where I don't know why, but I'm attracted to like slightly whiny men who are also a little bit rugged. <laughs> um, and that's the vibe I got. But I don't know. It was just one of those books where like, there's just so it, it read like a classic where, you know how we, we've been reading these big classics the past two years. And mm-hmm. there's, it's some of those, it's sometimes where, you know, it's kind of slow, but then there's these really beautiful gems of human observation. Yes. And that's what that book kind of gave to me. Okay. Okay. I love, again, this is the other reason I wanted to do this because I kind of wanted to evaluate my reading life and see what on Hunter's list do I need to move to my TBR. Like, (laughs) So I'm glad we're doing this. Okay. My number 10 title is Revival Season. This is by Monica West. Have you read this? No, but I want to. Okay. So I really like this book. It is very quiet to me. It is not really a plot driven novel. It is, in my opinion, more character driven. And it's certainly tackling those subjects that you and I are often drawn towards. So if you are a reader who enjoys reading about faith, I think you'd really like this. This is about a young woman named Miriam who's coming of age and she is deeply religious. She's deeply devoted to her Christian faith. And her father is a traveling, a traveling evangelist. And so every summer, she and her family like load into their car and they travel across the South to lead these revivals in these black evangelical communities. And as part of these revivals, they do healings. And the book, this is not a spoiler, but kind of immediately as this family kind of embarks upon their revival season, her father does a healing and Miriam sees something go wrong. And so immediately she is kind of now reevaluating where her faith comes from, how she as a girl can live out her faith in a male-dominated community and her relationship with her father. So like all things I am very interested in, but it is a, it like considering how much ground it covers, it's a pretty thin book and it is very just kind of unassuming and quiet. And yet Miriam sticks with you for a long time. I really, really liked her character a lot. And if you grew up religious, and particularly if you grew up um, a woman in a religious community, I think this would be really appealing and interesting because of some of what it is dealing with in terms of what women are permitted to do, what women's giftings are compared to what men's giftings are or how they're traditionally seen. I really liked this book a lot. I liked the writing and I loved the character development. Um, So it is that's Revival Season by Monica West. That sounds so good. And it also reminds me of a book I read last year that I loved, uh, Shiner by Amy Jo Burns. That is still one I would like to read. I remember you talking about that one. And it doesn't it deal with healings as well? Like, I feel like yeah, her father, her father is like a snake handler, yeah. type, you know, whatever. And he and something goes wrong. Yeah, with something. Yeah. So okay. So that could be a good counterpart. All right. What's your number nine? Okay, my number nine is oh, it's this book called Yes, Daddy. Um, okay. by Jonathan Parks Ramage? 
Beach, I believe. Um, and it is a listen. This is you can skip it. It's not for you. <laughs> okay. Um, there is a. I will like content trigger warning for. There's a lot of sexual assault in this book, but it is about a young man who gets involved with a much older playwright, and he's kind of and the playwright kind of becomes like a version of like a sugar daddy for him. But it is it's kind of like where I feel like my life would have gone if I had moved to a big city, Mm. um, which I love, obviously. Um, I love to see my alternate paths. And it is one of those books where I literally, it's so funny. I was at a, I was at a friend's baby shower and recently vaccinated. And I was like poor. I I literally woke up at 3 a.m. because I I had started the book and I was like, I've got to finish this book. And I, I just couldn't help. It's one of those where it's just such a page turner. Mm-hmm. Where you um, just is, is it? It's fiction. It's fiction, yeah. Okay. Um, and it's I don't know. I'm trying to even remember. I don't know. It just has one of those things where like the the plot just moves so quickly, and there's just so much happening. Mm-hmm. It feels very like I, I I don't know. I don't I probably like a HBO like miniseries type vibe to it. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, my number nine is a memoir. It is Crying in H Mart by Michelle <gasps> Zahner. So I thought a lot about this one because I really like this book a lot, but I read it accidentally in two parts. Like I started reading it late last year, put it down, really liked it, but put it down um, because I felt like it was reading it too far in advance of publication and then picked it back up and really wound up especially devouring the latter part. This is another book that combines a lot of genres I love. I love books about grief and in fact have read a lot of books about grief in 2021 and I don't think that's a coincidence. I also love um, books that deal with food and family and food as it relates to our identity. And Michelle Zahner, if you're not familiar, Michelle Zahner has a great piece in The New Yorker on which this essay collection kind of came from, this one essay called Crying in H Mart. She is Korean-American and she writes beautifully about her relationship with her mother, her complicated relationship with her dad, and then her relationship to her Korean heritage. And I selected this for a shelf subscription earlier this year. And one of the things I said in my card, and I think you'll appreciate this now because you're we talked off air about how you're in the middle of watching Gilmore Girls. But I felt like Crying in H Mart was if Gilmore Girls had been about the Kim family instead of about the Gilmore family. I just see such similarities in Lane's relationship with Mama Kim and Michelle's relationship with her mother. And I just really loved this. I also think it'd make a great audiobook. I've not listened to the audio. It is a good audiobook. Oh, did you listen to it Mm -hmm. on audio? Yeah. I, I thought it would make a good one because I like memoirs in audiobook format. And Ashley pointed out rightfully, Ashley, I think, listened to the audiobook, that it was really nice to hear those Korean words pronounced correctly. Whereas sometimes when I, as an English speaking reader, read books, I tend to skip skip over the words that I know I cannot pronounce correctly. And so Ashley said that really brought something kind of rich and meaningful to her, to her listening experience. So that is Crying in H Mart by Michelle Zahner. Did you like this book? I did. I totally forgot I'd read this. Like, ah, that's like a pig. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's see. My next pick is we're on number eight now. Eight. Okay, the natural mother of the child. Oh, um, what is this? It's it's a the the subtitle is um a memoir of non-binary parenthood. Okay. It's by Chris Malcolm Belk, I believe. Um, and they identify uh, he identifies as trans masculine, 
And okay. it's about his journey of being a, uh, like he, he's the birth, he's the parent, the birthing parent of this, uh, like, like that, like him and his wife, I believe had, had a child before he got pregnant, but it is, it is a very, like, it is a, it is a very like complicated, very nuanced look at, um, what it means to be in a trans queer relationship as a queer parent, as a trans parent. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, I don't know, and it, but it's, I just thought it was so, it, I literally took me like maybe two and a half hours to read. It was very quick. Okay. Um, but it's just one, it, it kind of reminded me of something along the lines of uh, like the writing style, maybe of my autobiography of Carson McCullers or, mm-hmm. e- or even something like uh, in the dream house by uh, Carmen Maria Machado. Mm-hmm. So, yeah um but yeah like it's just very it's it's kind of like it's kind of fragmented in some ways but not in a way that's like distracting but okay. it really hearing about his experience being like especially in the medical um mm-hmm. arena kind of like that that was very it was just it just brought to light a lot of things i hadn't even considered mm. i love books like that i yeah. my book eight also deals with queer parenting and i started this at the top of the episode, a quote from this book. So my number eight is With Teeth by Kristen Arnett, which I immediately read this book and passed it on to you because it is the kind of book that once you are done, you need someone else to read it almost immediately. If you liked the push, to me, that is a comp to this particular title. But I loved a lot of different things about it. So I loved Kristen Arnett's writing about Florida. You and I have talked mm-hmm. before about how some some writers, when they write about Florida, you can just tell they've never even yeah. <laughs> they've never <laughs> even set foot in the state of Florida. But I thought Kristen Arnett wrote beautifully about the state of Florida. And at the heart of the book are these two moms who are parenting this little boy and the relationship one of the moms has with her son is so different from the mom who kind of works outside the home. And it is the whole book, you're kind of wondering, who's who do I trust here? Do I trust the mom who's like having a hard time with her son and, and who is acknowledging that he's really difficult to parent? Or do I trust the son? Like who is trustworthy here, which is the same kind of vibe you get when you read the push. And the other thing that I thought was brilliant in terms of writing, this was my first Kristen Arnett book. But one thing I really liked was it's a very fast paced book. Like you die, you're dying to know what happens. But as you're reading in between these chapters where you're mostly getting the perspective of the mother, there are these really brilliant, like two page um, glimpses at another person's point of view, like a person very outside the story. Mm -hmm. So at one point, it's like the therapist in the therapist's office. At another point, it's a bystander at the grocery store. And that is the only hint you get that maybe things are not what they seem. Maybe this narrator is not as reliable as she seems. I thought this book was so smart. Like that's kind of the main takeaway for me. Like in terms of writing, I thought the writing of this book was stellar. And I just thought it was so, so smart and such an interesting look at parenting and about the stress that parenting could bring. I really liked this one a lot. And I'm, I'm glad I passed it on to you. It's also on my list in a different spot. So okay. <laughs> I'm excited. Yay. Yeah. Um, oh, good. I was wondering if we'd had any overlap. So, okay, good. Yeah. So, okay. So my number seven is Sarah Land, oh, which yeah. is a short story collection. It's by um, Sam Cohen. And it's so funny because actually I have like, I have at least two short story collections on my 
uh, top 10 so far this year, but Sarah Land was one of those where all of the, it's a they're not technically linked, but they all feel like they're part of the same world. And I guess it, uh, that's part of the purpose is that they're all stories with characters named Sarah. Um, but there's like some that are just so bizarre. And there's one in particular that is very like Heather's, but Sarah. Mm. And I don't know, listen, like I, I love books that are about like really complicated, quirky, um, sometimes toxic, just like, you know, this, that, that part of girlhood that I just think is so interesting. You love messy. I do. I love mess. Like I'm like I'm yeah. like what's it Marie uh, Marie Kondo. I love mess. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, Okay, my number 7. I'm curious to know if you've read this one. My number 7 is 7 Days in June by Tia Williams. No, I haven't. Okay, this was very outside like in terms if I look at this top 10, 7 Days in June is kind of outside my typical genre, except it is romantic comedy feeling it's just more heavy on the romance yeah so this feels a little bit more romance than i'm typically drawn to certainly steamier than i am typically drawn to however if we're talking about smart writing if we're talking about those gilmore girls vibes i thought this book was so good so this book is about a woman who is a writer and she writes this is the other thing it really there are so many books i feel like that have come out this year that have talked about or have been adjacent to the publishing world and particularly the issue of racism in the publishing world. But I think the way this one in particular was handled, I just really liked. So the woman, the protagonist in this book is a genre writer. She writes almost like vampire um, kind of Twilight-esque fantasy erotica. Like, <laughs> um, And so, so that is, and this book... Trust me, if you if you're at a bookstore or a library and you read the first couple pages and it is not for you, then it is not for you. Like because you'll know immediately that there's a scene where she chokes on her gum while she's engaging in a particular activity. Ooh. And I was I was rolling. Um, but it is definitely PG thirteen material. Um, and and gets to be R rated. So just if you're a if you're a sensitive reader or a prudish reader, this may not be for you. However, outside of kind of the sexy parts of this novel, the romantic parts of the novel, um, there's also just a lot here about motherhood. And there is something that I didn't see advertised very much is that the main character also deals with chronic illness and chronic illness, kind of invisible chronic illness, like mm -hmm. Ill an illness that doesn't present itself to the public eye and how she as a writer copes with that and how the coping mechanisms that she has had to kind of create for herself to be the kind of writer, the kind of mother, um, the kind of person she has to present herself to the world to be. The, and then the romance, um, and this is kind of fun. So the guy that she spends these seven days in June with is somebody that she connected with in high school. And they had not maybe the healthiest relationship in high school. And then they re kind of kindle their romance in adulthood. And he is a literary fiction writer. So he is a black man writing in the literary fiction world. And there's really some interesting parts about the black publishing community that I thought was interesting. And then their love story as it relates to to their very different genres of literature. So there's a lot going on here that I really, I really liked. And it's just an enjoyable book, too. It's very summery. So it'll be interesting to see if by the end of this year, it stays on the list because it does feel rather seasonal to me but mm -hmm. it is called seven days in june that's by tia williams you should read it that sounds so good i've <laughs> got to read it like asap 
Yeah, put that one on your list. I think you'd like okay. it. Okay, I'm excited. My number six is another memoir, um, which, and I will go ahead and preface this by saying I almost didn't pick it up because I did not like the cover. Okay. <laughs> um, but it's called Punch Me Up to the Gods by Brian Broom. Mm, I remember seeing this. Yeah, and it's like, I'm like just showing you the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I was curious about this one. Would I like this? I think so. Yeah. It is so good. Mm-hmm. I, it's not only is it a, like, it's a good, like I, I both read and listened to it. Like I've I listened to it after I read it. Cause I was like, Oh, I want to hear it in his voice. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, I don't know. Like he, right. He has such a clear, distinct voice and the way that he, the, the framing device that he chooses for this narrative is just really smart, I think. And the way it comments on toxic masculinity and, and queerness and all these things it was just i don't know it's just one of those things where i read it and i was like wow like this is just a really good book mm-hmm. um and i also was like i don't like i don't even know if i can articulate everything that is so so great about it but yeah i just i think that it was just so smart and so moving and and also i love i love when memoir when, when people who write memoirs when they because we talk about this a lot like uh they're able to capture both the love that people can have for them, but also how they can still be really toxic and abusive at times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think he balanced, he straddles that line really well in a, in a way that is like both fair to himself and to people he's writing about. Like priest daddy. I feel like yeah. he did that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I read your Instagram review of this and wondered, and I think I'd like to do the audiobook. I just finished a memoir on audiobooks. So I think this would be a good next step. Yeah. I recommend. Okay. My number six, and I'm realizing like I only had one, nonfiction on here and that was crying in each one all of mine are fiction interesting and uh, a short story collection came really close but i did not include a short story collection so i'm glad you're kind of covering genres okay my number six is gold diggers by sunjana sathian did you read this no but i want to okay this again a little bit outside genre for me because there is a magical realism element and yet the way she incorporates it did not distract me and I also think a reader who typically is drawn to magical realism will enjoy it as well. So I I think part of the reason I liked this book was because it's set in the 90s in, Atl- in a suburb of Atlanta. So you get these very suburban characters that I think typically, for whatever reason, we don't always get good storytelling out of the suburbs, which I think is unfortunate because I think there's there are good stories to be told there. And certainly you're dealing with these Indian American families. And so you've got a lot about cultural identity and particular how the younger portions of these families are dealing with kind of their older family members and kind of the different approaches they take to maybe adopting American culture and things like that. But the magical realism element that comes into play is when these two characters at the heart of the book, one of them is very ambitious and the other one is more ambivalent. And then the young man who is the neighbor of this ambitious young woman who he's kind of got this unrequited love for, he realizes that she is ambitious partly of her own doing, but also partly because she and her mother are in their basement, like making gold as one would make moonshine. And then they drink the gold of the ambitious people they know. So like they steal gold from the ambitious people that they come into contact with. And then they turn it into like this lemonade concoction and then they drink it. I feel like this book just covers a lot of genres because you've got kind of this love story coming of age. The book then flashes forward to California 
and incorporates um, this kind of almost little bit of a campus novel, a little bit of a heist story, and then some historical fiction also that I just was not anticipating. There's some stuff about the gold rush that I thought was really interesting. So I really love this book because it was a surprise. I think that's why I included it on this list is because when I go through the books that I've read this year, this one stands out as being unexpected. I did not expect that I would like this book. And then I really did. And so because of that, that's why I included it as number six. I, that is another one I really do want to read. And I like the cover too. I think it's interesting. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Good cover. Um, so my number five is one that I didn't, ex- I, I wasn't planning on reading it, but then I read the back of it and I was like, okay, which I, it, and I act like this is like some, um, it's like a big hit book of the year. It's um, Clara and the Sun. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. By Kazuo Ishiguro. I believe it's how you say it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like a book about like this little, like it's about this little girl doll or like robot AI thing. Um, and she's bought by this young girl. And it's, I don't know. It's one of those, it, feel, it felt in some ways to me, like, and I know this is like such a dumb comparison because it feels so odd, but like AI artificial intelligence with Haley Joel Osmond. Yes. Yeah. Kinda, that's the kind of vibe I got from it in some ways. But it's one of those, I, I, it was, the pacing was so great and I could just visualize everything so clearly in my head as I was reading it. And it went in a very, it went a much different direction than I expected. Um, there's like, there's about ha- at the halfway point, you expect it to go into some like very dark territory. And I found it to mm-hmm. be an actually, I think it's a book that you would appreciate because it actually has to me a much like lighter ending than you'd expect. Okay. Okay. A a couple of our staffers have read this one and really liked it. It's definitely on my radar. I'm trying to decide if I should make time for it before the end of the year. This is the difficulty about reading books that bookshelf staffers have already read because it kind of feels like, oh, they've got it. They've covered it. I don't know if I need to, but okay. I'm curious about it. My number five, and now we're getting into my top five, which I think will not be surprising at all. Like, like I just feel like these five will sound exactly like the kinds of books Annie B. Jones would normally like. So my number five is Early Morning Riser by Katherine Heine. I love Katherine Heine. I've read everything she's written, I believe. I'm pretty sure about that, including her short story collection, which I love. I just love the way she writes about her characters, even the characters that are unlikable to perhaps the typical reader. This book in particular is an ensemble cast. I think if you loved... Amy Papel's books, which those books have brought me a lot of joy, particularly in the last year. If you liked Schitt's Creek, I think you would really enjoy Early Morning Riser. The main character in Early Morning Riser is Jane. Jane kind of um, lives this somewhat kind of prosaic, like normal life. And she's a teacher. And then she kind of falls in love as one does. Then something happens and the wedding doesn't happen. Like there's just a lot going on. And yet... I think a plot-driven reader could still really like this book, but it is mostly about these people. It is mostly about Jane and this community that she kind of surrounds herself with, including some people who get on your last nerves. There's a character named Gary who should annoy the stew out of you, but at the same time, you're like, I definitely know a Gary. Like, he, like I just feel like I know people very much like him. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking about Jerry Gergich from Parks and Recreation. Like, there's just there's just something about these characters that I just fell in love with, and I was not ready to be through with them. There's a 
one of our the customers, Suzanne, she always, I love how she puts this when she's done with a book, she talks about how much she misses the characters and how much she just misses hanging out with them. And that's certainly the case for um, the characters in Early Morning Riser. I just really miss them. This is also a book I'd recommend for fans of Kitchens of the Great Midwest, which was a favorite book of mine a few years ago. Yeah. Um, you just really like the people in this book and the world can feel heavy. And this book certainly doesn't shy away from the the real world and the issues that you come across in the world in which we live. But also, it's just really, it's just really lovely. A Breath of Fresh Air. I really like that one. I literally have an ARC and I meant to read it after I personally rave about it. And then I forgot about it. But I'm glad you put it back on my radar because it's just so pleasant. It's just really pleasant reading. I love that. Um, my number four is another book that I'm not really sure is for you. Um, okay. it's Milk Fed by Melissa Broder. Okay. We've talked about this one a little bit. Yeah. And I will say like, I, it was one of those books I really did finish in like one sitting. It is, there is a lot of like content that is just like, ooh. um, <laughs> and, and I, so like there, and I will also say like, I didn't even, I guess I didn't realize that it was like somebody commented on my review at one point they were like they're like hey, hey heads up like um content warning for like disordered eating and i didn't even realize like how disordered her like which i guess just shows mm-hmm. like how disordered all of our eating is that we don't even realize like the diet culture stuff being shoved in our faces because i was like what's wrong <laughs> didn't um, even pick up on it yeah and like and it's a major part of the book um so just being oblivious but no it is it's um she has such a I know this is such an overdone thing, but she really does have like a very fleabag esque type. It's that very punchy humor that's like mm-hmm. that you you're really uncomfortable at times with, mm-hmm. um, and 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 then she writes such rich characters who are really dealing with so many things, and mm-hmm. and 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 you know I love I love whenever a book really does like make you cringe, laugh, and cry at the same time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like that too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. My number four is The Paper Palace. This is by Miranda Cowley Heather. This book is so good. I would like to be clear. This is a, this is, I think one of my favorite genres accidentally is like privileged white people make mistakes. Like, (laughs) I Mm. think that's uh, rich, privileged white people make mistakes. So the main character of this book. in this book is Elle. She has this wonderful marriage. She has these kids that she loves. I mean, a couple of them are a little bratty, but mostly they're delightful. And the book opens with, they spend every summer like in this summer home by this lake up in New England, which is my dream. Um, You talked about kind of your alternate lives. In my alternate life, I own a lake home like in Kinnebunkport or something near the Kennedys. Um, So they vacation here every year. It's kind of a house that's been in the family. And I love books where a house almost takes on its own character and kind of becomes a character in the book. And um, The Paper Palace is one of those. So I certainly loved that part. But there is no denying that these are people behaving badly. Like the main character is Elle. The book opens with her waking up the morning after having an affair with her childhood best friend who also vacations with his family because he also is married with a family at the same lake and here is why this one is elevated beyond what i just said the reasons that unfold for why l makes this decision 
the book is set over a weekend, but it does flashbacks. So I also love that. I love that it's kind of compact into this weekend. And she's trying to figure out what does she do now that she's made this pretty, pretty horrible decision. Mm -hmm. Um, But the entire book kind of flashes back and forth, showing you why Elle made this decision. And so in terms of character development, which you've heard me talk a lot about today, but there's just a lot here as to why a woman like Elle, who seemingly has everything, would kind of blow up her life or at least be on the path to blow up her life. And I remember I finished this one and I can always tell when I really love a book because when I'm done, maybe you're this way with Tyler, when I'm done, I immediately want to tell Jordan all about it because I know Jordan's never going to read it. So I just want to tell him like every minute detail and I remember telling Jordan like some of what happened in this book and he kept being blown away there are there's a lot of sex in this book and there's also a lot of there's some sexual assault in this book as well so there's a lot happening in terms of content but I really really liked it and I think it could have been like a fun beachy kind of book but instead it is elevated by this character development and this uncovering of Elle's kind of childhood and kind of the things that made her become who she is. So I really, I really liked it a lot. And the cover's great. Yeah. It's a Riverhead book. It comes out next month though. And <laughs> yeah, I've been oh, dying so to read it. Oh! <laughs> oh, I need to let you, I think I still have the arc somewhere. Cause I really liked it. So I think I kept it. Okay. Cause like I'm dying to read that one. And I do love the cover. And I, it's so funny because I was on my list and I didn't even know what it was about, but I just picked it up. I like put it out to my TBR because of the cover. Look, the cover is so good. And again, I cannot stress this enough. Like this is exactly like this is exactly the kind of book I love to read, especially in the summer. It's like white people on vacation behaving badly. Like, I don't know what it is about me, but I do love it. I think you will, too, because there's some mess there. So I'm excited. Um, So my third one is one that you've tried that I want you to keep pushing on, which is Detransition Baby. Okay. which I know. Listen, this this to me feels like a mix of as far as like the read the reading of it the reading experience feels in some ways like a mix of fleischman is in trouble and mm-hmm. um such a fun age mm-hmm. and i say that because we've talked about it's like fleischman is in trouble because there is a lot of sexual content in detransition maybe in the in the front mm-hmm. like it is in the front in the front and it's very clear that it is it is one of those like books that's trying to shock you into like paying attention mm-hmm. um but it's about this man who was has transitioned into a woman and then detransitioned due to some unknown reasons that become clear later um Mm -hmm. but was in a but had a relationship with um another trans woman and anyway long story short he did not even know that he could get anyone pregnant and he accidentally gets this girl that he's seeing pregnant and mm-hmm. and then he randomly calls his ex-girlfriend and was like, hey, I know that you always wanted a baby and you couldn't have one. Why don't you raise this baby with me and my girlfriend? And he hasn't even talked to the girlfriend yet. <laughs> and so, messy. Yeah, so it's messy. Very, yeah, it's very messy. And it, but it is, it is, I just thought it was, I don't know, but it has a lot of that kind of like, it's that like, you know, comedy of errors and also social mm-hmm. commentary that you get from such a fun age. And, yeah. and it's, and that, and that page turning kind of nature to it. So I think that it's, I don't know, that's a really good one, I think for that. I do want to read that. I, I think I need to remember the Fleischman is in trouble example, because I did not like Fleischman is in trouble. And it took me a while to get past the first 
oh, I don't know, 50 to 100 pages because of the sexual content. Uh And Detransition Baby, you're exactly right, kind of does the same thing. Because I think I texted you and I was like, I don't know if I could do this because it's so much sexual content at the front. And um, Fleischman is in Trouble does the same thing. And then I wound up coming back to Fleischman is in Trouble and loving it. So I think I do just need to try this one again. Okay, my number three, this is a surprise because I do not normally, I don't think, put a bunch of light literature, and I would consider this fairly light. I don't normally put that at the front of my list, but I love this book so much. It's The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just found it to be utterly charming. And if we're talking about books that I just absolutely finished and was filled with joy, that this would have to be one of them. Like I, And I feel like just because a book is light or joyful doesn't mean it shouldn't be included among a favorites list. And so it, I've looked at my books and I was like, I gave this one five stars. I stand by it. I loved this book. So it's about the gunkle, gay uncle Patrick. And there are definitely kind of three men and a baby vibes here, in my opinion, where he has, he had this really lovely friendship with his sister-in-law and his um, sister-in-law has passed away. And his brother is dealing with his own grief and personal struggles. And so his brother asks him to take care of the two kids for the summer. And so they go and stay with Patrick in Palm Springs. The setting plays a really important role in the book. I really think this is a great summertime read. And I also just loved the character of Patrick. Like I just loved how he had also, as the book unfolds, you realize kind of why Patrick lives by himself and and the decisions that he has made. He's a former actor. He's an actor, former star. Like, I think you get the impression that he's kind of been a star of a sitcom. And um, so there's some fun, like, winks at Hollywood. And also just, again, this is a book that if you do like plot-driven, I do think this moves along at a really fast pace. Like, you'll devour this one by the pool in just a day or two. But the character development is still really strong and really good. You I love how Patrick winds up parenting the kids. You also get some of Patrick's very complicated relationships with his own family and kind of him kind of looking inside to figure out, um, yeah, why his relationships look the way that they look. I really, I just found this one to be so enjoyable. I really liked that one a lot too. I don't know why. It's so funny because sometimes I'll think to myself like, oh, I need to add that to my list and then I don't. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I we just, yeah, I think we just sometimes think, oh, like, this one's light and fun and it's got this beachy cover. And I mean, I am guilty of that. Like at the end, and I don't know what at the end of the year I'll decide, like it could be that it's included on this list because we're talking about it in June. But, but I just, I also think there are some books that we're just meant to supposed, we're just supposed to enjoy them. And I just enjoyed it. Yeah. That was when I did really find fun. And it was one of the books that helped me kind of get out of my reading slump. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's great a great one. That. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so my number two is where we have our crossover. I guess maybe our only crossover of this, um, which okay. is so different, but it's with teeth um, okay. by Chris Nornet. And it's funny too, because I, I did like, I don't know. This also just kind of shows that like, I don't know like where it would rank on my normal reading year, but like it, mm-hmm. it just, I think that because a lot happens and I just really love the drama of it, that also, mm-hmm. and then also it hiked up to higher on my list because yesterday my granny, um, like a copy was delivered to her house. I guess that I like the publisher knew that that's where to send it. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. And so my <laughs> granny opens it and then she literally, and so basically I, I most part of the reason why I love this even more now is because my granny started reading it 
And my granny never, she, you know, the only book that she's really read in the past 30 years is the Bible. Mm-hmm. And she goes, and she, and she's basically, she, and at first she didn't realize, cause I guess the opening line is something like, um, the man takes her son's hand. And my mm-hmm. granny was like, my granny was like, Hunter, I don't know. Is this, and she thought it was about like a trans, she thought it was a trans narrative. Oh. And I was like, oh no, no, no. I was like, it's just a, it's just how it's phrased the sentence. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, she goes, I was wondering, cause this whole thing just got me all kind of confused. And then she started <laughs> reading it anyway. And now she's like invested in it. And then I talked about it on Instagram and Kristen Arnett was like, oh my gosh, I love this. And so now <laughs> I'm like, oh, well now you're my favorite. Um, oh, it's so, so look, there's, it. I think your granny not being able to put, put it down is like the exact thing that we're talking about. Like, it's just one of those books that once you start, you cannot stop. It's so, um, it's so, it's kind of a gut punch. Like what unfolds is so troubling and so intriguing that you really can't put it down. Yeah. Okay. My number two is Brood by Jackie Polzin. I, so I read this last year. I, I think I think I read it in December. I may have read it in January, but I think I read it in December of last year. But it just released this year. It's a debut novel, and it is about a woman who takes it upon herself to raise chickens. And it is very much about this brood of chickens and kind of their survival. You become very invested. But your unnamed narrator is also, as you pretty soon discover, she is dealing with infertility and miscarriage and loss. And so you can tell then that she is kind of transferring those mothering feelings over to these chickens. And the way that Jackie Polson tells the story and deals with this woman is just absolutely beautiful and tender. I loved this book so much. I, when I think back on my reading experience, it goes even beyond the experience of reading the book itself. And instead is just very much how the book made me feel when I finished. And the writing I think is really stellar. It'll be interesting to see what else Jackie Polson writes, but I think for a debut, this is stunning. Um, the cover is also beautiful. And I have had, this was a shelf subscription pick and I did have some customers who I think were not entirely sold on the like survival of chickens unnamed narrator concept but then when they read it i think i won't speak for everyone but many of the customers who i heard back from really appreciated this story and really liked this story so it's it is to me pretty literary because of the unnamed narrator it almost reminds me of a um Oh, of um, Department of Speculation, like a Jenny Awful story uh-huh. is almost what it reminds me of. But I, I just loved it. I really did. And I was very invested in the lives of these chickens. That's another one that I've been meaning to read. I'm just such a, uh, it's fine. Okay. <laughs> so my number one, this was really hard. And it's funny too, because actually my number one was a book that I technically read in December, but have since reread several times. It's another short story collection. Oh. It's um, Milk, Blood, Heat by mm-hmm. Don Teal W. Moniz, I believe. I think so. Um, but it's a short story collection that takes, like, it, they're all, most of the, all the stories, I believe, take place in Florida. And I think the reason, like, it, this is one of those things, right, where, like, it, reading does become so personal because I do think it's, I think it's super well written. I found every story compelling, but it also reminded me of books like White Oleander that I loved when I was, mm-hmm. you know, 14, 15, 16. And it's about like, especially that a lot of the stories deal with complicated mother daughter relationships. And, and a lot of them reminded me of like stuff with my mom. And so mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where like, I, 
I don't know. I, and, and I think, I think it's also 200 pages. It literally is one of those books that you will finish it in one sitting. And I want everyone to read it. You've recommended this to me, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Isn't this one I should read? Yes. Okay. Okay. I need to move it. Um, this is the thing. I knew I would, I knew I would leave here with some, <laughs> with some books to put to my TBR. Okay. My number one is another debut. It is Olympus, Texas by Stacy Swan. Mm-hmm. I loved this book so much. And I know that there are other readers who will love it even more than I did because, um, So this book is about a family living in the heart of Texas. Texas plays a very big role in this book, but it is a complicated family full of really messy people making uh, really poor decisions. Um, But at the same time, you're rooting for them. Like you do, it's not, they're not entirely unlikable. Like they make decisions that you're scratching your head at and that you hope you would not make, but you're also very much rooting for them you're rooting for the matriarch in particular, but honestly, all the characters I really love. How I think I could have enjoyed this book even more is if I was into Greek myth and Greek mythology. That is not an area of expertise for me. So I think a reader who does have an interest in Greek myth will love this book perhaps even more. And yet here I am putting it at the top of my um, best books of 2021 list, even without that knowledge. I just, I love a dysfunctional family. This family really is dysfunctional. Even though I am not an expert in Greek myth, I definitely picked up on those elements on my own. So I think even if you're kind of a a lay reader in terms of Greek mythology, I think you'll be able to easily kind of see some of some of where she's coming from. And there is a moment in this book where things turn on a dime. Like, I mean, I gasped out loud. This is one of this is one of those books that I read during lunch breaks like I could not I needed to know what happened and I just thought the writing I could not believe this was a debut I thought it was so good and I suspect it'll remain near the top of my list even by the end of the year I just really love this book I think you would like it Hunter I'm gonna read it I'm gonna read it I swear okay yeah and it's got a beautiful cover so yeah it does oh okay that's our top 10 what do you think I'm like this was it's so fun because like every year our top 10 type because there was like one year we had like nine out of 10 and it's like, just mm-hmm. like diverged since then, which is like yeah. fun too though. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited. I did walk away with a couple books that I think I'm going to read too. So thank okay. you for helping my TBR list grow. You know, From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at bookshelftville, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, what I'm reading is brought to you by Visit Thomasville. Last week, Jordan and I enjoyed spending a Friday night at the amphitheater for a viewing of a locally produced documentary about the bottom, an area of downtown Thomasville that housed black and Jewish owned businesses from 1900 to the 1970s, kind of similar to Tulsa's Black Wall Street. We loved sitting beside our neighbors and learning about Thomasville's history, recognizing both how far we've come and how far we have to go. It was such a beautiful, special night, a reminder of why we love living here. To find out more about how you can visit Thomasville and participate in special events like this one, go to thomasvillega.com.
This week, somewhat appropriately, I'm reading Harlem Shuffle by Colson Whitehead. Oh, that's what I want to read. <laughs> <sighs> um, this week, I'm reading The Obelisk Gate by N.K. Jemison, which is the second book in the Broken Earth trilogy. Thank you again to our sponsor, Visit Thomasville. Whether you live close by or are just passing through, I really do believe that you would enjoy a visit to beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online book orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. 